we like to say that we iterate. So we know that the market is changing so fast and it, you, can't, you can never develop the perfect strategy of the perfect program. So we want to continue iterating on our strategy as we learn and as we develop. But we're going to be assessing our strategy every quarter and looking at are there things that we need to tweak, just like we do when we do business planning with partners and we do QBRs and, and adjust kind of on the fly as needed. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where you'll hear leaders of partner programs talk about their greatest challenges and most successful solutions. And now your host, Louis Gadima, the president of Revenue and Associates. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where we talk with leaders in software partner programs to learn about what's working today. And if you like what you hear in the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or whatever service you're using to listen to it. That will help others find the podcast too. Today, my guest is Rob Spee, Regional Vice President of Channel Sales for the Americas for OutSystems. Previously, Rob was Head of Global Channels for SAS, or SAS, and Director of Distribution Channels for Carbonite. And Rob has consulted with other companies on their channel strategy too. But perhaps more importantly, Rob is one of those magical creatures, a podcast host. Rob hosts the excellent Channel Journeys podcast. He has written about why he created his podcast. He said, my podcast mission is to elevate the channel profession by educating, inspiring, and empowering channel professionals to exceed what they may think is barely possible to achieve. That is a great mission. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Louie. Good afternoon. Thank you. Great to be here. So you have the classic academic background for a channel leader. You graduated from the Colorado School of Mines with a BS in petroleum engineering. Yeah, believe it or not, channels was not one of the uh, tracks there at School of Mines. <laughs> <laughs> well, internet marketing was actually not part of uh, the, one of the tracks when I was in college either. Yeah. Uh, but uh, please tell us about your, uh, your channel journey. Where did your career go from college? How did you get involved with the channel and, and why do you like it so much? Well, first I have to say, that's probably the first time I've been called a magical creature. I've been called a, lot of, <laughs> called a lot of different things, but not that yet. So thank you for that. Like most of us in the channel, kind of a, a strange way of getting there. I did go to the School of Mines in, in Golden, Colorado. Um, my first job was as a drilling engineer in Louisiana and being flown out to the rigs and I loved it. But unfortunately, the price of oil collapsed, and that led me to a business job in the oil company, doing trading and flying over to Europe and doing international business. So I went from you know working with roughnecks with teeth and fingers missing to to this high fluting, <laughs> staying at fancy swanky hotels and things. I thought, man, this business stuff's pretty cool. So <laughs> this is okay. I could get used to yeah, this. Yeah, I could huh? get used to this. this is, and they pay for you to do this. Yeah. So I decided to, to leave the oil industry, got my MBA, and then um, moved, transitioned over into high tech. And I got my first channel role as an international sales manager, international channel sales manager for a little software company in Cambridge, Mass called ProgramArt. And I was okay. responsible for channel partners in Europe and Latin America. So I got my international travel. And I just totally got the bug. I fell in love with the channels. And it's that was all she wrote. All right. Please tell people about OutSystems, where you are hanging your hat these days. What is its software and, and who is using it? Yeah, it's really an interesting company. It's a 15-year-old startup out of Portugal that has now 
very um, heavily backed by some big funders and we're, we're on a tear. We have a low code, what's called low code. So you talk about low code, no code. It's a mm -hmm. really agile, speedy way of, of developing applications. And we offer that as a service. So platform as a service. And it's really hot right now because everybody's got these old legacy apps that they've got to upgrade and, and modernize. They've got to develop new applications uh, for new customer experience, uh, new things that they need to do. And there's a lot of challenge. They got to do it quickly. There's a shortage of talent. And we offer a way to develop those applications much, much faster with really requiring less people to do it. So it's, it's really t catching on. And we're building the channels of partners who want to both sell and deliver those, that platform. Yeah, I'm familiar with the low-code, no-code area. I did marketing work with a company called VisiApps, which is in that space as well. Yeah, and neat. And not as large as OutSystems. But you posted, or, or OutSystems posted just a few days ago, a, a piece about the number of apps that companies intend to develop internally, which was quite high. So it, there's a, a lot of demand for this. There is a lot of demand. Um, I can't remember if it's Gartner or Forrester predicts that 65% um, of the applications will be built with low code within a few years. And the, the addressable market just keeps going through the roof. Um, you know, every year it's just getting larger and larger. That's great. So what is the role of the channel at OutSystems? Uh, how much of your revenue is indirect? Well, it's interesting. If I look outside the Americas, we have about 80% of our deals are, we say, partner involved, which means the partner's either selling for us or with us or they're doing the delivery. That's how we look at the channel. Um, okay. It's much less. In the Americas, it's about 10%. So we're we're way behind. And that's one of the reasons I came on board is to, is to turn that around. So we're looking to take the channel to a whole new level. And also, we've we've traditionally particularly in the Americas, look for partners more for delivery to do the, the implementation and build applications for us on the platform. And now I'm looking to, to turn that a bit and get a lot more participation from selling partners. And so we're, we're working with our existing partners and, and really rolling out a whole new program, a partner program. And we announced it at our partner kickoff, our first ever global partner kickoff that we did a few weeks ago in Portugal. We announced the new program and it's going to go into effect in July. Oh, so this is interesting. So why the big difference between uh, the Americas and, and outside of the Americas in terms of the go-to-market strategy and the role of the channel? I think it's pretty classic, Louis. You see this in a lot of companies where in the U.S., kind of the typical motion for software companies is just sell direct. It's kind of a knee-jerk, this is how we do it. And mm -hmm. out, outside the U.S., in EMEA, in, in APAC, you, you just have to rely on partners more. One, for it's more customers demand that they, they work with their, their local companies. It's more of just kind of an expected motion. So everybody's more used to it. And it's, it's not as natural here. I, I really applaud the companies that go 100% channel right out of the gate. And we hear more and more. And I talk to a number of companies that do this. But it's hard when, you're, when you haven't gone out of the gate with that and you've got to change that motion. So is OutSystems a SaaS solution? as in the SAAS? Yeah, uh, I would call it more of a I would call it more of a PAAS, a platform as a service. We offer the low code platform in the cloud as a service. Um, customers can also install it on-prem uh, in a subscription model. And what what I tell our partners is we're looking for them to be the vertical to our horizontal. Oh, okay. So your website says that you have 337 partners globally. What's your channel growth goals? You, you said you want to grow the Americas uh, much more. 
Yes. Uh, but what, what are your growth goals for the next year and in terms of numbers of partners, contribution to revenue, getting that up from 10%? Yeah, I measure it more in contribution than number of partners. I'm more of a fan of quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not looking to do massive recruiting. We certainly are going to recruit and recruiting is important for us, but it's also investing more in our existing partners and, and getting them to invest more in us and getting them more successful, both in delivery and in sales. And then we'll also be recruiting from two aspects. We're recruiting uh, sales and delivery partners, but we're also rolling out a business solutions ISV program. And we already have quite a few ISV partners, and but we're going to expand on that too. Because when I said partners are the vertical to our horizontal, we're looking for partners who want to build vertical applications. And those could be you know niche or micro niche applications, solutions that they then sell. And those have two flavors. Some of those are, are more like accelerators where they've packaged up a solution that's say 80% completed. And then they do that last 20% of customization using our platform for each customer. And then, okay. then, and then we have some that are more ISVs where they're building their products in on our platform and then selling them as a product, you know, like a full-blown multi-tenant SaaS offering. So a, a lot of the vendors that I talk with, a lot of the channels that I le- talk with say that their partners make more from these add-on products and services than they do from the direct commission or whatever compensation they get from the vendor themselves for the sale. So it sounds like that is the case for OutSystems partners as well. Yeah, absolutely. They can make a, a healthy commission selling our products, but the money is really in the services. That that's you know we have a a really good services drag on our product, so the the delivery is super important. And then if they build the business solutions, then they can make money on that as well. And it's a great door opener for them to get into accounts. Yeah. Okay. Terrific. So earlier this week on, and we're talking at the end of February here. Earlier this week. You had a guest column in which you described your five must-haves for channel success. Yes, I did. So, Are you so, gonna you're gonna call me on this? This is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm not calling you on it. I, I just thought it would be a great uh, thing uh, since you thought these were the top five priorities, or you know, uh, certainly very important areas to address for channel leaders to talk about those for a few minutes. Great. So number one is to refresh your channel strategy at least every year. Yeah. You've been involved with that at OutSystems. So um, what kind of changes to the channel program at OutSystems have, you've been there, I think, uh, just about eight months or so. Right. Uh, So what are the big changes that you're implementing there? Well, first was just getting alignment on our channel strategy. So it was defining what is our go-to-market from a complete comprehensive company perspective, um, both how, what is our, our, direct sales team do? What does our marketing team do? How does the channel operate? And really, how do we operate as one? So we've we've really adopted a vision of together with partners is how we go to market. Whether we're talking, you know, marketing, sales, delivery, we all are are changing our mindset that that's something we do in a together with partners motion. And we formulated uh, a strategy that we call deliver, build, run. There, these are three ways that partners can engage with us. So they can work from a deliver standpoint where they're delivering and our product, both selling and, and doing the professional services around it. So that's the deliver. Build is now they're building business solutions that I talked about, these accelerators. And then if they want to build and run a full-blown package SaaS application, that's the run component. So we've all aligned around this deliver, build, run. And then we built out our channel program to align to that. And on the deliver side, that was the area that I was really focused on from a channel perspective. 
we're doing something different. We're, and I talk about this in the five must haves kind of jumping ahead, but the way we structured the program was, was blowing up the metallic tiers and introducing some new things that we think are going to be much more successful and helpful to both our customers and our, our partners. Yeah. And that is, that is number two. Uh, is throwing away the metallic tiered program. So I'm going to get to that in just a moment. There was this one phrase in in number one where you said refreshing your channel strategy at least every year. Yeah. And is this something you would do more than once a year? Well, we like to say that we iterate. So we know that the market is changing so fast and it you can't you can never develop the perfect strategy of the perfect program. So we want to continue iterating on our strategy as we learn and as we develop. And that's really what I mean by this. At least once a, once a year, you've got to have a strategy in place and, you know, you do a lot of annual planning, but we're going to be assessing our strategy every quarter and looking at, are there things that we need to tweak just like we do when we do business planning with partners and we do QBRs and, and adjust kind of on the fly as needed. So this is essentially your version of agile marketing in a sense. Yeah. Agile, agile channels. Yeah, Exactly. All right. So number two is to throw away your metallic tiered program. So how are you replacing that? Uh, that's something you know that Jay McBain from Forrester, who's been on my podcast and yours more than once, is a big advocate of. Uh, so what are you doing at OutSystems instead of that gold, silver, bronze? Yeah. Let me let me tell you why we're throwing it out. It's because we, in talking to our partners and especially our customers, they wanted to know more about our partners, and they said, look. If you tell me, if you reckon a partner who's certified or elite or bronze, that, those are our three tiers, um, our three metallics, they don't tell us enough about who we're working with and what really is the expertise and value add of that partner. We want something that's more descriptive. And our partners also wanted a program that was more custom and personalized to what they do and, and their business model. So we're replacing it with three things, um, certifications, authorizations, and competencies. So the certifications are at a personal level, and that's where you can get a sales certification, uh, a pre-sale certification, all the technical certifications. And then those add up to partner authorizations, and we're introducing partner types. So you can be a sales partner, a sales authorized partner. You can be a delivery authorized partner. We have a GSI uh, level. We have um, an ISV slash MSV level. And so getting those personal certifications plus meeting other requirements get you authorized to be that type of partner. So now our customers know what kind of business model or flow you have with us. And then competencies is something we're gonna be introducing in second half that are more specializations that say, hey, this partner is an expert in manufacturing or an expert in SAP integration or an expert in data migration, those types of things. And mm -hmm. so those will, when we have all three of these together, I, I equate it to really the, the low code environment that we have without systems. What we offer is like Lego blocks. Customers can build an application using repeatable modules or Lego blocks. And that's how I picture this partner program. The partners can pick and choose the Lego blocks that they want to assemble how they're going to do business with us. And then we put a business plan together that's tied to that. And then we can tie everything to how, how they're going to engage and what their goals are. So one of the things Jay talks about he talks about a trifurcated channel and one of them is the influencer channel. Yes. But that doesn't sound like for you that that's an, uh, an important part of your program. Not yet, Louie. I think this is going to be a progression. It's, it's definitely on my roadmap, but I couldn't eat the elephant all at once. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm biting off the pieces that we can manage right now. 
I did another show um, on the influencer channel and, and how you set up, you know, referral models and that type of thing. That's definitely where we want to go. And it's going to take automation to do that properly. So this is the, the walk before we can run. Okay. Got it. Makes sense. As you said, all these things are iterating and, and always in process. Number three is to teach your RCMs how to do joint business planning. Yes. So is that something that you don't think has been happening enough? I don't. I don't. I've yet to join a company where I ask my room of RCMs or channel managers, how many of you are doing business planning? And you get a few hands. How many of you are doing QBRs and one or two hands shoot up? And then you even dive into it and see how are you doing it well and how are you putting it together? You find some guys that are doing an awesome job, but it's just not across the board. And it's, it's not taught at the school of mines. I don't know where it's taught. Um, <laughs> so, so it sounds like you think vendors have to be teaching the channel managers how to do this joint business planning. Exactly. Exactly. So we're, we're trying to develop our own best practices. I've done this before in, in other companies and we've developed our own template to get some consistency. And it's not so rigid that you can't, you know, you can't go outside the box, but we want to give people a, the common things that they want to include in the business plan and, and speed it up too, so that we can scale with this. And now we're starting to roll out training for our channel managers and guidance and coaching on, on how do you do this properly? How do you, you know, build a plan? Who do you invite to the meeting? How do you run the meeting? Who needs to be involved? And the different components of the plan, like, you know, the, the, the business goals, the value proposition, the, the sales targets, the account mapping, the, the co-marketing plan, the enablement plan, you know, a lot of different components. And you need multiple sponsors of that plan. So, you, so you're not just trying to run it on your own. I am struck by this over and over again, how much of business is just about executing on what's been known for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And something about understanding how to channel managers on how to do business planning and QBRs, which is hardly this year's news. Right, exactly. And you see the same thing in marketing. You see the same thing in sales. I w did a, a workshop on sales strategies a few years ago, and I had these five steps for sales success. And at the end of the workshop, one of the people who was attending said, oh, damn, I thought I was going to find out some magic bullet here. But <laughs> this is just like you have to execute, you know, yeah. every step of the way on sales. I go, yep, that's what you got to do. Yeah, uh, I think there's a there's a lot of old with the new. And yeah, I think part of it, too, Louis, is channel manager. It's not an easy job. You You wear so many different hats and you can very easily fill up your calendar staying busy. But being busy doesn't mean you're doing the right things. Absolutely. And so you really have to be a good at time management and selecting what are you going to prioritize on and how do you fill in your calendar first with the, the most important items before you let it get taken over by, by all the other fluff. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, Douglas Burdett's Marketing Book Podcast? I am not, no. Oh, it's an outstanding podcast. And it's unbelievable what he does. I was a guest on it oh, a year and a half ago, when my Bullseye Marketing book came out. And that's not what makes it an outstanding podcast, but that's just a small example. But what he does, which is amazing, is that he actually reads every week the book that he's interviewing the author of from cover to cover. You know, that's pretty astonishing just in the amount of reading and preparation that's involved. And I know, having been a guest on many podcast about my book, that it was not unusual, which you and I did not do, but it was not unusual for 
for hosts to just say to me, what are, what are the three questions I should ask you about your book? Or what are the five questions I should ask you about your book? <laughs> right. And, and Douglas is really amazing. He's had great guests on. And he had the author of a sales book on recently, Mike Weinberg. And Mike was basically just shooting down all the latest buzzwords around sales. And, and yeah, it was like, yeah, actually, you do have to prospect. Actually, social selling won't solve all your problems. You know, uh, you just have to, you know, you just have to work hard at it. Right. That's what the best salespeople do over and over again. Yeah, totally focused on on selling activities. Yeah, exactly. And and he said the same thing you do, which is you can have a very busy calendar and it may not be a productive calendar in terms of closing new deals. So uh, that takes us to number four, which is to teach your sales reps how to work with partners. So what does that involve? Yeah, I think you find this a lot and maybe more in the Americas is just reps who who aren't familiar with how to effectively work with partners. They don't necessarily understand the partner's business model, why they're in it, what value they add, how do you engage the, the partner, what are things that you can do that are very helpful for the partner, what are things that can really damage the relationship. So those are all things you've got a, a good channel manager, you know, is constantly coaching the rep on how to do this. And we're actually developing um, an educational online certification on this um, just to help our company across the board around the globe to understand how we're going to market with partners, the different motions that I talked about and doing some coaching on, on how they can best engage those partners. And we're doing the same thing with our partners too and coaching them on how do you engage our sales team and what can you do and, and what shouldn't you do. So I often hear from channel leaders on the podcast on this topic that a key to this uh, working together between the vendor sales force and the partners involves restructuring sales incentives and compensation so the reps know they're going to be well compensated for working mm -hmm. with partners and it's it you know it's not going to blow their commission or they're not going to make half as much as they they might have otherwise eliminating that channel friction right so that's uh something i assumed you you looked at at outsystems also yeah fortunately that had been fixed even before i came on board so we had that channel neutral compensation and that is a big big player that, yeah. that, that, if I'm a rep and I'm, I'm making less because I go through a partner, then that's then you you have to convince the, the rep that, yeah, that's true. But you can have five channel reps out there working for you. And right. And the smart guys get that and will will go in that motion because they realize they can build a sales team, even if they make, you know, 20 percent less on every deal with a partner. But it does create a bigger hurdle for you to overcome when, when that's the situation. Yeah, well, definitely having a clear, good compensation plan with reps is so important. I, uh, when I had my marketing agency back 10, 12 years ago, one project we did was with a very large insurance company, and they wanted us to create some interactive materials to explain their compensation structure and how the whole system worked to their sales reps. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not a genius, Rob, but I'm a fairly smart guy. And I spent an afternoon reading through their compensation materials over and over again. And <laughs> I could not get it. And it was like, you know, if it's this complex, maybe this isn't really incentivizing them with the right things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like the, the first point about channel strategy. If you can't put your channel strategy on one slide and explain it to the sales teams, something's wrong. You, you need to be able to deliver it in a, in a really simple way. 
Yeah, so number five, enable your partners for customer success. And for this, you talk about training partners to deliver an excellent customer experience, which is definitely important. Mm -hmm. So how do you uh, go about doing that uh, customer experience training at OutSystems? We have a dedicated team for partner success, and their their whole mission is to make sure that our customers are sorry, our partners are delivering successful projects. And this is fairly new. It got implemented last year, and it's already had a huge impact on our CSAT scores from our partners and the delivery that they're doing. And so this is this is really important. It's interesting because I I'm always surprised when I talk to companies that don't think about this, that don't think about the partner's role in customer success. There are a few that do it really well. Um, I've had a few on my podcast, but not enough. And it's it's such a great area of opportunity. And so we we are putting a very big emphasis on this. We this this came out of actually an interesting project out of Portugal where they were looking at customer success and they were looking at what were the factors that led to good projects and and poor projects. And they very quickly realized the partner in the equation and that we needed to to up our game and how we enabled partners and the things that we put in place to to check their their capabilities. You know, it's they got to get certified for delivery, then we can do shadowing with them to, to ramp them up. We have things that they can do to, if they're going to start a project, we have a tool now that they can check the project and see if there are any talent gaps. So they may need to do some just-in-time training for that project. Maybe it's a, a higher level application delivery um, than, they've, than they're used to. They can also get expert services from us and bring us into a project with them. So we have a lot of different tools to make sure that that delivery is successful. Yeah, and that customer experience is so critical. It really is in many ways, you know, for the customers, that is your brand. Right. You know, you can say what you want to. You can have your messaging. You can have your logos and your campaigns and your colors and and trade show booths and whatever. But ninety for customers, 98% of their mind space around you is what has been their direct experience working with you. Yeah, and we talk about uh, North Stars in our company. And, mm-hmm. and it's we have a you know a corporate level north star, and then each um, functional organization has their north star aligned to that. But they all start with customer success. That's always the pinnacle of of what we're trying to accomplish. You know, marketing is my area. What about marketing? When you talk about enabling partners, do you see or does OutSystems put much effort into training or enabling partners around marketing success? I don't think we've done enough training yet, actually training them. We, we are still building on our marketing and co-marketing and partner marketing mission and efforts. We've got uh, uh, some new go-to-market things that we're doing this year um, that are very, we call it a demand waterfall. And so we're, we're training our partners on that demand waterfall, which involves, you know, first a digital event and then a live event, one to many and then one to few and then one to one is how we think about it. So we're training our partners okay. and engaging them and helping and pulling them in and, and inviting them to participate in this with us in the thought that we can train them and then they can go out and do it on their own. So this isn't the serious decisions uh, waterfall. No, no, it's they, not. That was something that they were talking a lot about 10 years ago or so, and then it became much more complex and couldn't be a simple waterfall anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this does fit on one slide. Okay. There's fits on a slide too, but it's it's a pretty complex slide. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you two questions that are similar to questions that I ask when I'm hiring people. Uh, Uh-oh. So, 
well, don't worry, I'm not hiring you. <laughs> You're safe. Okay. The first question is, please tell me about a channel campaign or program that you did that was very successful. And it doesn't have to be at OutSystems. It could be, you know, anywhere in your career, but something that you're especially proud of. You know, I guess the one that first popped to mind was when I had, a, because I had so much fun building it and doing it, is when I worked for Arrow, um, the distributor, and they brought me in to help with a brand new business unit, which was focused on the mid-market. And we were tasked with building a mid-market partner program. And we really had to build it from scratch and, you know, working with the, the internal team, working with an agency. And we ended up developing this, this program that we called the Empower Program. It was just a lot of fun because we, we built it from scratch. We rolled it out. It was very successful. We recruited a lot of partners to go after that mid-market, hundreds of new partners. We built a sales team that worked with them. And it was just a, it was a great experience to put that together. It, we spent, I guess, a year or two on that. It was successful. And then they rolled it into the overall organization. So it became came part of one of the business groups um, at Arrow. Oh, okay, great. So now the flip side of that, what's a program or a campaign that you were involved with that didn't work out? And why do you think that was? Well, I don't want to say where I was at, but... Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to say that. <laughs> on, the, on the unsuccessful one. Right. But uh, one that comes to mind, it was just kind of the classic reason why these things fall apart. And for me, for any of these efforts, channel efforts to succeed, you've got to have executive sponsorship, um, which we had in my first example. You've got to have buy-in across the company of the folks that are going to help you execute. We had that in my successful example. And in my case where it didn't work, we developed a great strategy, but we really didn't have executive buy-in. We didn't have alignment across the organization. And then kind of as a result of that, where the rubber meets the road out in the field, it was really hard to get everyone operating on that mission. So it really wasn't ever adopted. Mm, okay. One other thing that Jay talks about in his uh, 2020 top 10 channel trends is a declining share of revenue from the channel. And this is because of SaaS in mm -hmm. part in the software field. You know, you were at Carbonite. They are a SaaS company. Mm -hmm. And you were building out a uh, leading a pretty complex distribution and channel program there. Yeah. And now you're at a, a platform as a service, but kind of related. So do you see this playing out uh, in the companies that you've been involved with, that things are, uh, because of SaaS, going more and more direct and, and starting to move away from the channel? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I would put Carbonite as a SaaS platform for disaster recovery, you know, and backup and recovery services versus OutSystems, you know, two very different products right. um, with very, very very and very different partner opportunities too. You know, there's, I would say, a much bigger services component around OutSystems, whereas Carbonite, it's more uh, kind of like an MSP opportunity and they could build some of their own services and other products around it to have a, you know, a complete uh, solution. So different different situations there. I do think though that even at OutSystems, there there certainly is from a partner perspective, the the sales revenue or sales commissions or or margin is is much less in comparison to the services opportunity or the product opportunity. So I think in their business models, that software resell or or even co-sell commission, you know, becomes a smaller piece of the pie for the partners. 
Okay. So I would be guilty of podcasting malpractice if I didn't ask you about your Channel Journeys podcast. <laughs> I think you started yours uh, podcast just a few weeks before I started mine. I got a jump start on you. You did. You did. Uh, <laughs> that's why all of your guests appear on my podcast three weeks later. <laughs> awesome. Good. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest, you know, you've been doing yours, I guess, for a year or so. What, what's yeah. the biggest surprise about being a podcast host? Uh, what's been that biggest surprise for you? Yeah, I'm curious to hear you too, Louie. I think for me is how fun it's been. I've really enjoyed it. You know, it was it was tough to get going. I, you probably did too. You had to do a lot of research and figure out how to even do it in the first place. And it was a little rocky getting started on the first couple episodes because you've never done it before. And I, I certainly wasn't trained in doing this, but I at least, I have so much fun talking to the guests. I never know exactly what we're going to talk about. And I learn so much and it helps me improve as a channel leader myself. That's, I think that's what I really love. And developing, meeting new people and, and building new relationships too. That's a, a side benefit. Yeah, I describe it as a masterclass in channel. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I've had, I've had the opportunity to spend dozens of hours talking with the most experienced, most successful, you know, best channel leaders in the country about how it works and, and what doesn't work and how it's changing and, and everything else. And it's just been amazing. Yeah, a lot of the things that I'm implementing at OutSystems, they weren't necessarily my idea. They're things that I learned talking to other folks on my podcast and, you know, kind of chance to, to hear what's successful, what's not. And then I can hopefully avoid their mistakes. Yeah, it's actually become a value that I bring to my consulting practice, which is much more knowledge around how my clients can or should be using the channel. Yeah. And and developing their channel strategies and, and sometimes seeing some of the things they're doing is like, eh, I don't think that's going to work as well as some <laughs> other things. Let's, yes. let's rethink that a little bit. Yep. You know, the other thing for me has just been a real appreciation for how good, good hosts are. Yeah. And cause like you said, the first couple of times I did it, I was like, and then I listened to myself. I was like, Oh my God, you, you have really <laughs> got to get better at this. I had this experience. I used to produce video a lot. And like you were saying, you got sent by your petroleum company to Europe. I went all over the world doing marketing videos for IBM. And they, I literally circumnavigated the globe twice on, on doing these. And I uh, one time was doing a project for another client. And we hired one of the local TV talk show hosts to host this program that we were doing for a client. And there was an audience of like 50 or 60 people and seven people on the panel. And this is going to be for like an hour or 90 minutes. And before the program started, I'm sitting down and talking to him about what the program's about and, you know, the, the topics and everything. And I'm like, does, is he getting any of this? <laughs> it, it just he, he just seemed so nonchalant about the whole thing. And then the red light came on and he was perfect. He would get the question from one person, move to another person while that one was being answered so that he was ready to take the next question right away. And he was asking all the right questions at the right kind of every man level. And I was like, these guys are really good. <laughs> yeah, know, they're really... just 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 amazing. I, I think, Louis, you, you do build some muscle memory doing yeah. this. And, and I, it's funny cause I, that global partner kickoff, I was the MC for it. We had about 300 folks there and I had a presentation to do and I felt so much more at ease than I ever have. And I yeah. think it's in part because of doing the podcast. 
Yeah, yeah. So what should I have asked you about that I didn't? What uh, about the channel is keeping you up at night? What's keeping? I think right now what's keeping me up at night is just execution. So we feel really good about the strategy. We've got total alignment. We've got our top executives from you know the board, the CEO, everyone on down, super excited. But now it's like, okay, now we got to deliver. So <laughs> now we got to really prove that we can do what we said we were going to do. And that's that's what I'm thinking about is just how do we do an awesome job executing? And that's kind of where I'm starting to put my focus too on learning and, and looking for other people to learn from is the ex execution component. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were talking about before, that's where it all comes down to ultimately. Yes. So Rob, how can people contact you if they want to learn more about OutSystems or your podcast or any of the other things you're doing? Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn is definitely a great way. That's probably the best way is just connect with me on LinkedIn, send me a note that way, and certainly can go to channeljourneys.com. All right. Terrific. And we'll put links to those in the program notes for this podcast, for this episode at revenueassociates.biz, as well as a link to that uh, five must-haves for channel success article that you wrote. Yeah. So, let, Louis, I just want to give a plug for your show too. I hope everybody is is listening to this because it's. I love going back and listening to your episodes too. And, and I learned, even when you, it's funny, you interview some of the same folks I have, but you ask different questions and I learned from that too. Yeah. Yeah. And actually we don't have a hundred percent overlap. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> I may steal uh, a few of yours though, Louis. Yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us today, Rob. Thank As you. I really enjoyed it. As I do with all guests, I'll be sending you a copy of my Bullseye Marketing book in appreciation. It was named one of the best marketing plan books of all time. And to those who are listening, thank you for listening to the Software Channel Partner podcast. And please subscribe and listen to future episodes.